0: Last week we launched the series and the basic idea of the question of the series you want to go after is this, can people really change? And I'll tell you where the idea comes from. It's, it's this idea that I have kind of experienced some of that where people, you know, say, well, you know, you can change and you think, well, I'll immediately go into behavior modification mode. And so, you know, Tom, you need to be less angry. So, okay, okay, I'm going to try to change my behavior. I'm going to be less angry. Or, you know, you need to be kinder. So I'm going to change try to be kinder or be more sensitive. I'm going to change try to be more sensitive or whatever it is. I go into this behavior modification mode. But here's what I have learned about behavior modification is ultimately, eventually, it will let you down or it doesn't work over the long haul. So I can maybe fool you for a moment or fool you for a day, but eventually that behavior modification will let me down or will let you down. It's like a Band-Aid solution to real change. And so again, the question is, can people really change? Jesus comes to the planet. Whatever you think about Jesus, whoever you think he was, um, he comes to the planet and he teaches that we can actually change for reals. We can change like from the inside out, Jesus taught. So in other words, he said the change that can take place is If the inside can change, then the outside stuff would also follow. If the inside can get healthier, then the outside will get healthier as well. If the inside can be redeemed and restored and forgiven, then our relationships outside can actually change as well. So that's kind of what Jesus saw. And if that's possible, the question that naturally comes to mind is how can we change? And more specifically, change into what? Because change just for change's sake isn't actually, you know, that's not a kicks and giggles thing. Change itself is not good, but change into what? Well, this has kind of been the theme verse of our whole series that we're gonna kind of gnaw on for the series. And it's this it's Paul writing to Galatians, and he says this it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Let's pause a minute. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. There's the change. So whatever change Jesus came to teach us, we have to decide whether or not we buy into it. But Jesus said the thing he was selling was that you can actually be free. You can, there could be freedom. So stand firm then. Don't allow yourselves to be burdened again by going back to what made you not free. Now this verse is vitally important As we go into the deep waters we're headed into this morning, you're going to have to remember this verse. And so we're going to bring it up again in a little bit. But just remember that according to what Scripture teaches, whether you buy it or not, according to what Scripture teaches, it is for freedom that Christ has set Tom free. Just remember that part. So without Jesus, at least according to Scripture, basically we're not able to fix ourselves. Without Jesus, we really can't do anything. And there may be part of us that sort of wants to resist that idea. But let me ask you this question. If you could change what has you in prison or bondage or slavery, if you could change that part of you that is in emotional distress all the time, or if you could change that part of you that seems to be broken or that past or that upbringing or whatever it is, wouldn't you have already changed that? Because I would have. <laughs> If I could change those parts of me that are less than shiny, I certainly would have changed them if nobody would want to, wants to walk around jacked up all the time. <laughs> we would fix that. We would figure out how to do that. But the problem is, we can't change ourselves long-term, lasting change. So last week, we introduced this process for change, and I gave you three elements for change, and then the end of the message, I tried to give you an illustration from Scripture of what that change looked like. And it featured a lady in scripture that we don't even know her name. We don't know what color eyes she had or color hair. We don't know how tall she was. We don't know where she was raised or her background. All we know is her label. And her label was, she's an adulterer. Okay, She, she, got, she, she stepped outside of her marriage covenant with someone who stepped outside their marriage covenant. And, and that, that's the label we have. And in that moment, when that, when that lady was brought before Jesus, the world was introduced to something that it had never seen before. In the moment when the woman is brought before Jesus with just her label, Jesus taught the world grace. And so I went back and I revisited my change paradigm thing that I gave you last week and I thought, you know, this whole thing has to start in grace. The whole thing has to begin in grace. And so let's talk about grace as kind of like the step one of this change idea. When many of us think of grace, what we think about is this huge cloud of cotton candy that we just eat and eat and eat, but we really don't know what it is. But grace actually has teeth to it that's kind of a cheap idea of grace grace has more definition than that so so let me give you at least two elements to grace sometimes in our lives we see revealing grace this is the time when God through his mercy and grace reveals we're holding on to something different than what God says is right and true So a lot of folks in the room, you're actually doing this as it relates to how you see yourself. You're holding on to something different than what God says is right and true. We'll do it in other relationships about how we see other people. We hold on to something different than what God says is right and true. But one of the things that God's grace does in the life of people who believe is he reveals things to us. Things that are right and true and things that we could embraces being right and true. So we have this revealing grace, but then there's also there's this restoring grace. This is a grace that restores our soul from the inside and gives us the strength for what is outside, and these two grace ideas work together. God reveals what is right and true, and then you and I decide what to do it, do with it, and then he will restore What he desired for us all along on the inside, that's grace. Once we kind of have this idea of grace at play in our lives, the next step we talked about change was a vision. But now we actually have a grace-filled vision. It's seeing our person or our problem or our past or our present or our prognosis all through the eyes of a changed soul that has interacted with grace. Someone who has encountered Jesus and been changed and been set free. So grace and vision, and then we talked about intention. Once we truly receive grace and once we truly get a vision for what it might look like, now the question comes, do we want to? That's intention. Do you want to do whatever it takes? Last step of the process was strategy. What's the plan? Nothing changes until we put a strategy in place. Now, if all that stuff is, it's kind of review, but if you missed last week and all that stuff, you'd like to understand more, go online, watch the message from last week and you can get the full kind of meat and potatoes part of that, of that service. So for the rest of the series, what I want to do is I want to take that, those elements of change and I want to apply them to different areas of our lives. And today the area we're going to apply it to is this, Can people really change when it comes to family and friends? And now you know why I took the offering before I told you what we're going to talk about, you know, because this is a tough one, isn't it? This is a tough topic. Can people really change when it comes to family and friends? Have you ever been hurt by family or friends? Don't raise your hand. Of course you have. In fact, if you're like me, you could form a list of people or relationships where you have been hurt or caused hurt, maybe even this week. For our time together, what I want you to do is this. If you want to engage this whole talk, take a a relationship that has caused hurt and bring it forward. I'm talking about a long-term relationship, not like somebody you know, said something bad. I'm talking about a long-term relationship, and bring it forward and focus on that one relationship today. Something changed. Maybe you were friends for decades, and then something changed. Maybe everything was going great, and then for some reason, the whole thing fell apart. For whatever reason, you both walked away, or maybe you, know, you got hurt, and nothing's ever been repaired. One of the most profound insights for me in the area of relationships actually comes from the world of science and the second law of thermodynamics. As, as I understand it, second law of thermodynamics would essentially be this. If there isn't a constant introduction to, of outside energy to something, then everything will move from order to disorder or to disorder and chaos. So what, what this is saying is if something doesn't come from the outside, things will naturally spiral into order into disorder and chaos, For our purposes, if you were preaching this, if there is not an introduction to an outside energy, like, say, Jesus saying, I've come to set you free, you see, everything will move from order to disorder. And most of us could probably identify relationships in our lives where this happened. Sometimes we felt we did everything right, and that relationship still turned sour. We still got left. The person stopped taking our calls. The person still attacks. The person still angry. The person still walled themselves up away from us and the relationship ended. However, it happened. We all know the pain of relationships. So, this week when I was writing, I wrote down a sentence and I had to make sure the sentence was true. And I think I'm at the point where I'm actually willing to say, I think this sentence is now true. So you can tell me whether or not you think it's true, but here's what I would say, at least when it comes to relationships. See if you agree with me. Probably the greatest pain that the good folks of it alive have experienced and the greatest pain that you and I have caused was always in the context of a relationship. Fair? That's probably it. I mean, I wasn't walking down the road one day by myself and all of a sudden, oh! That hurt me so bad. What? Nothing? I mean, it's, always, it's always in the context of a relationship. And the pain that I've caused the most is in the context of a relationship. And that's why relationships are such a big deal. It's why Scripture teaches relationships are such a big deal. Paul writes the majority of the New Testament. And most of the time when he wrote the New Testament, wrote the parts of it, he was addressing letters to a specific church and a specific problem. But he writes this one letter, and he's really not addressing a specific problem. He's just saying, here's what it looks like to live with Jesus. Because they didn't know what that was about. It was brand new. And so this is what he writes in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. Now, i got a sick sense of humor, as you know. And so I'm going to hopefully take you on that journey with me in this verse. So here's how this goes. Paul says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander. Pause. Apparently in this church brawling was a deal. <laughs> it was a real deal. Can you imagine getting in your car before you go to lunch and two people or two girls or whatever out there slugging and out? I mean, you know, if he listed it, it actually happened. <laughs> well, Ned, I'm going to punch you in the mouth after church. You know what I mean? That's kind of what was going on right here. And so this church was kind of getting together and they didn't hold bitterness. They went outside and just Laid hands on each other, you know, that was kind of what happened. And so brawling and slander. So we get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, slander, but brawling, is that an option? Should we put a safety team in charge? But anyway, along with every form of malice, which we've seen, then watch this. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Can you imagine being Ned reading the letter who laid hands on Billy Bob? This is a Southern church, by the way. He laid hands on Billy Bob last week, you know, can you imagine? Well, I guess I shouldn't punch Billy Bob in the face. Billy Bob, I'm sorry I hit you in the face. You know I mean? That kind of, that's kind of what Paul was addressing in this conversation. Be compassionate to one of them. Check this out. Forgive each other. Okay. Just as Christ forgave you. Oh. Now that's different. It's not just so you and I can get along. It's not just so that you all of a sudden are nice and I can get along with you. But actually forgiving you for hurting me because God forgave me. That's a different dynamic. What is interesting to me is how often the Scripture connects the grace I have received with the grace that I extend to other people. And what I've determined is a majority of relationship drama and trauma has nothing to do with extending grace. It has more to do with holding grace in. So, Paul says, just as Christ forgave you. Jesus said the same thing. In Sermon on the Mount, he says it numerous places. But the greatest pain you've ever experienced, the greatest pain you've caused was in the context of relationship. Jesus says, So, when you come to worship, when you're offering your gift, when you come to worship alive, and if you remember your brother or sister has something against you, stop worshiping. How about that? Leave. Of course, if you leave now, we're all gonna know. But anyway, and and sometimes you could just leave and before the altar and go, watch this. First be reconciled to the brother or sister, then come and worship. Don't come in here and pretend like it's not. And so that leads to a couple of questions. Why do we need grace? And why am I supposed to give it away? And, And I guess. I guess the one word answer to that would maybe be sin. Apparently, you and I, we've all done something, held on to something, believed something negative or untrue about someone else, believed something different than what God says we are and what God says we're worth or what is true about another person. We've all done this in our relationships. And as a result of, of sin, we've done some stuff that doesn't lead to life for ourselves or the people we're in relationship with, it actually causes pain. And consequences follow. And as a result of sin and relationships, we all have stuff for which we need to be forgiven and stuff for which we all need to be set free. And we couldn't set ourselves free. So God said, I've given you grace so you could be free. And you can extend that grace to someone else. But here's the part of Christianity that is tough. That grace that you and I have received is the same grace that is to be offered to the other part of that relationship. Doesn't that stink? I mean, really, isn't that kind of the ultimate ripoff right there? I mean, it was so easy at that moment. I mean, I want to receive grace, and I want to give, receive mercy, and God help me, and God make me better, and God make me a better person. And then God says, and now give that away. And you're like, what? Say what? <laughs> give what away? See, what, what the truth is, most people I interact with, and maybe even this pastor sometimes, I want to receive grace, but I want to give condemnation. <laughs> I want to be seen in the eyes of grace but then I don't want to give it back or extend it to you. Lord, forgive me, remove my shame and guilt and all the mistakes I've made. I am undeserving. But Lord, if at all possible, do strike them down and give them a rash, a really bad rash, and maybe some boils. That'd be fantastic. Do you know forgiveness and canceling a debt are the same word? It's helped me to think about that. Because what scripture is teaching is this: you want to be free? Like Paul talks in Galatians, receive God's grace that he's extended to you and then cancel the debt you feel somebody owes you. That's freedom. Cancel the needs you're holding on for that person to make it right. As I reflect on the pain in my relationships, because all of us carry this, some, some of these relationships have extended for decades. People that have hurt me or hurt that I've caused. Here's what I've come to. See if you can relate. I've come to the realization that the person I struggle to forgive, the person I wish condemnation or the plague, or they get hit by a bus, whatever, it's dark in here, whatever that is, that person doesn't even have the power to make things right anymore. But I'm acting as if they do. I'm holding them in hostages if somehow they could come write me a love letter and like give me a puppy and everything would be wonderful between us but they can't they don't even have the power to make that right it would be impossible for that person maybe the person you pulled forth as the object that you're going to talk about today it'd be impossible for that person to give you what you feel you're owed even if if I returned the hurt back to them even if I gave them what they gave me even if I repaid evil for evil, even if I betrayed them as they betrayed me, even if I, if, I, if, I, if I started speaking poorly or bad about them like they're speaking poorly and bad about me, even if I misunderstand and hurt them like they misunderstand and hurt me, all those things wouldn't make it right. Things wouldn't be fixed even if that happened. So now I find myself, as my theology often leads me to, with these two deals on the table and I have to decide which deal to take I can either cancel the debt that I think somebody owes me, or I can continue to live locked up. I can either cancel the debt saying I forgive the hurt, forgive the wrong, forgive the mistreatment, forgive all that. Or I can stay locked up. And here's what I've learned. If I stay locked up, I will continue to beat the fool out of people in my relationships, right? I continue to repeat that. So the question becomes, if those are the two deals on the table, how if I want to be free this side of my funeral, I'm fine in heaven. I get that. But if I want to be free between now and the... I figure I'm over the hump. I figure okay, I'm 52, so I figure I've got like a 51 years left. <laughs> and so if I'm over the hump and I want to live the rest of my life in a certain way, what does that look like? Now, listen, I'm not saying to pretend you weren't hurt. That's, 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 that's dumb. I'm sure there's a better word than that. But that's kind of, don't, don't pretend like you weren't betrayed or you weren't officially slighted. I mean, there's legit wrong that happened. This isn't ostrich theology where you stick your head in the sand and swallow some grace and pretend everything's peachy keen. That's not it. But Scripture does teach we can cancel what we feel that person owes us. Now, I want you to think about that person you brought forward, put them out in front. People that hurt you for decades, hurt you when you are a kid, hurt you in your marriage, whatever. And what Scripture just said is we need to cancel the debt. Doesn't that sound impossible? You know why? It is. It's absolutely impossible. There's not a snowball's chance in a very warm place that that is actually going to happen. That's impossible to do. It's impossible. Nobody can do that. And now you understand why that verse I shared at the very beginning matters Now you understand what the second law of thermodynamics was teaching and what Paul is teaching in Galatians is something outside of us has to move inside of us and then give us a different life, a different you, and a different me. And that's what Jesus provides when he says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Now stand firm. It would be impossible if Jesus hadn't done this for me. Never in all the decades of preaching and teaching have I felt that a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is so vitally important as I see illustrated in this particular series and what we're dealing with right now. Unless we dial in and tap into the fact that Jesus has set us free, don't go into the business of forgiveness because you won't be able to do it. And neither would I. But because Jesus set me free, That's grace. And that means I can live with grace when it comes to relating to you too. But nothing changes until we start implementing the other part of this process. If you find this card, you might be sitting on it, which would be kind of awkward, but that's where it is. (laughs) So if you'd get this card, maybe pull it front center with yourself for a minute. And maybe you even want to, some of you are note takers, you want to do note taking on this, that'd be fantastic. Um, Here's what I've learned to the two services this morning. Um, You don't want to write the person's name that you are trying to pull out on the front like that. You don't don't put their name at the top. You don't want, hey, Lisa, see that this is about you. You know, don't do that. That's not what this is for. You may want to use a code, you know, maybe even to talk about, you know, like a skull and crossbones or, you know, whatever it is that you want to do, but there may be a code and we can start talking about what this process looks like. So now we're putting butter to bread and I'm just want to walk through it with you right now for you to decide whether you want to do it. Well, step one is grace when it comes to dealing with this person who we have pulled forward and dealing with the hurt that we have received. Revealing grace. What is God revealing? What is his grace revealing in you that you are holding on to that is different than what God says is right and true? When it comes to this hurt and this person who is hurting you, what is it you're holding on to that grace grace has taught you you're holding on to that's different than what God says is right and true? And oftentimes it's that I want to receive the grace, but God wants to give that person grace too. and, And that's something that God's got to reveal to us. Restoring grace. What is the grace that restores our soul from the inside that can give you strength? What is the grace that God has given you? Say, hey, look, that was wrong, but you've been forgiven. You've been set free. What is he teaching you that? That's the point where you are bowled over that God has been gracious to you. My grandfather used to teach me this model of having your hat in your hand and your head bowed when you would interact with people. A humble position. What would that look like in a grace-filled relationship? Head is bowed, heart broken. Why? Because God did it for you. God did it for you. And because God did it for me, I have no, no opportunity, no privilege to steamroll you. Because God poured his grace out to me when I didn't deserve it. And it wrecks you when you come to that understanding. And we come off our high horses and we come off our sense of being offended and instead we relate it of our brokenness. Man, you are the most jacked up people I know. And you know what? So am I. (laughs) And we start instead of saying I'm better than you, we start saying "Ah, I got problems and so do you. Let's figure if we can work this out together. That's grace for me. Vision. What would your life be like? What would that relationship be like if? What would it look like if that relationship that I asked you to wrestle with at the very beginning was wrecked by grace? What would your marriage look like if chains were broken and life giving love was poured out to both of you? Suppose you go home today and there's a knock on the door. And you open the door thinking it's Jehovah's Witness, but it's actually Jesus. It's Jehovah. <laughs> oh, hello. And Jesus says, hey, I want to come into the house today. I'm going to come into your home. And this is what we're going to do. You come in, you sit down. Well, anybody can be spiritual for an hour. And so you sit there and you have this conversation. Would you like coffee, you know? You know, I have this conversation with Jesus. Ch- children, husband, let's all act, wife, let's all act kind of really spiritual right now. And, um, and so we have this moment. And then Jesus says, here's my plan. I'm going to live with you and your family for a week. And that's when we'll get up and say, where are those Jehovah's Witnesses at? Because I think I'd rather have them than what Jesus is getting ready to offer. He said, I'm going to live with you for a week. And at the end of the week, I'm going to give you one word that describes your marriage, how you relate to your kids, how you relate to your coworkers." I'm going to give you one word how you relate to your parents. The week goes by, Jesus gathers the whole family into the room and he sits down with everybody and says, I've enjoyed being with you all for this entire week. So here comes my word question. What would you want the one word to be? That's the vision. That's the vision. Whatever you want that one word to be, that's how you begin to identify what the vision is for what God wants to do in that relationship. What would you want the one word to be? Lisa and I had a change of vision in our marriage about 25 years ago. Instead of approaching the whole thing about what's in it for me, my hurt, my needs, we put all that aside and we decided and we started using this terminology and it's stuck. It's been in part of our lives for years. We've entered the battle part of our lives for years. We've entered the battle for each other's soul. So I'm fighting alongside her, she's fighting alongside me, and she's a scrappy little fighter. And we'll work together to make sure we both finish well. Does that make sense? That's a new vision for a relationship. I don't know if we have any Chip and Joanna Gaines fans in the room, Um, but this is one of my favorite pictures. In fact, I keep this picture on my phone. And so... This is beautiful because it's a great model for me, um, not only for my marriage, but also for what I'm speaking about as far as relationships go. So here we have Joanna, and she's on the Today Show, I think, and she's hitting it out of the park. She's amazing. She's beautiful. But what I love about the picture is that guy right there. I love that picture. And it's easy for me to do with Lise. So, Lisa's sitting there on the thing, and for in my marriage right now, Lisa's sitting there, and I'm out there and I'm like, You go, Lisa, you know, take it, whatever it is you're going to do, hit it out of the park. I've got you, girl, I'm with you 100%. The vision is to take whoever it is we brought forward in that relationship drama and put them on the stool and still have that kind of approach. That's vision. You follow? I know you beat the foot out of me but I hope you are wrecked by grace. I hope you are torn up with the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ because he poured it out on me and it wrecked me. And if I got wrecked by it, I want everybody to be wrecked by it, including you. That's vision. You say, Tom, that's impossible. I know. And I would agree with you, except some time ago, Jesus set me free. And if you'll allow me without pushing the illustration too far, sometimes I feel like I'm sitting on a stool. Jesus is outside. Ah, come on, boy. Get out of the park. You got this. Ah, that's beautiful. That's vision. Intent. Do you want it with that person you brought forward? Do you want it are you willing to say from this point forward, I will do everything I can to move toward that vision? Now, pause. Some of you aren't there. As we brought that person forward, you say, Tom, there's, not a, there's no way that's not going to happen. And, and I get that. I appreciate your honesty. You're still mad, still untrusting, still angry, still bitter, still hurt, whatever. Maybe you even disagree with God, whatever it is. That's, that's fine. Just be real and be honest. And if you're following along in this process, if you get to this point, you've got the vision, you get the intentions, I'm not into it, well, go back to step one. And let God put you in a season of His grace. Let God show how He gave us what we didn't deserve. It's not a quick two pills and call me in the morning thing. This is a very difficult thing for us. I've been doing a year of the man with Thomas for about three years now because uh, his mentor is a little slow on a lot of things. (laughs) But uh, we had a trip planned, and part of that trip was a conversation. And I said, son, um, the most important thing that I think God gave you outside of His forgiveness is your will and your ability to choose. And you have the ability to choose what is good or choose what is evil, not just when it comes to actual sin, but when it comes to relating and how you relate to people, when it comes to eventually as a married man, as as a father, You have the ability to choose what is good or what is wrong, what is evil. If I decide something, that's one of the most powerful forces God has given to all of us, the power of the will. So this is the question. What if you use the power of the will in your relationship? What would your intent be? Do you want it? Step four is strategy. I tried to think of a different word to give you here after strategy, but I don't think I could get around it. So if I get this idea of God giving me grace and receiving that grace, and then I begin to think of what a vision would look like if I could put that person on that stool and cheer them through, and then I think I intend to do this, what will my strategy be? I think the first strategy is this. i got to repent. Even when it comes to relating to you people, I have to repent. What does that mean? i got to rethink how I think about everything, especially when it comes to you. i got to see you as a person in need of grace like I'm a person in need of grace. i got to be a person who's willing to extend grace to you even when you don't deserve it. Why? Because I've been extended grace. So i got to rethink how I think about everything. Why? Well, because I've been involved in a game changer. What's the game changer? Jesus came forward and he set me free, and then he said this. My kingdom is now available to you, Tom. And that changes everything. All of a sudden, it's no longer limited to what I can and cannot do. But now, now, the divine has entered our conversation, and his kingdom's now available. So, strategy what's one thing you can do to move that relationship forward? Now, listen. I could insult you now by putting a pretty bow on this and sprinkling you with fairy dust and saying, now go do this. Ta-da! But it's not gonna work that way. That's why we wanted you to have this. That's why I wanted you to go and slap it on your fridge or whatever you the mirror or whatever you I don't know, wherever you look at the most. Um, because this takes time. This is a healing process. But that's the part I want you to see. That this process works. It may be a small hurt. It may be a couple weeks. It may be a major hurt. It may be be 10 years. I've got hurt in my life. I've been working on for 30 years. But I'm following the process. And so I'm not going to insult you by saying this is an easy thing to do. I'm going to tell you this is a really hard thing to do. Really hard. But if you want to do it, Grace, vision, intention, strategy, is a good way to good path to follow. Jesus, thank you for your goodness and these great folks. Lord, sometimes this pastor heart kicks in, and I almost want to circle everybody up in my arms and, and hold them, protect them, and help them through whatever relationship they're working on. I want them to circle me in their arms and do the same thing because I know this is painful. I know it's painful. I know it is painful. And I know that we've been gnawing around one of the most sensitive parts that all of us carry in this life. So Lord, we need you to be our pastor right now, right now. We need you to come and to speak to us about that relationship, that person. Or maybe we need you to speak to us about why we haven't engaged this conversation. And Lord, we need you to do an amazing divine work. We didn't set ourselves free. You set us free. So, Lord, come. Minister to us in these next few moments. Use the song. Use the prayers. Minister to us. And, uh, and we, we want to be free. In your name, amen.